This is episode 572 of the AWS podcast, released on February 20th, 2023. G'day, Simon here asking for a favor. We love to get your feedback and we really want to find out how we can make the podcast even better for all of our regular listeners. So take a moment and fill out the very short survey from the link in the show notes. Really appreciate it. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Leger with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by our new and newest co-host. I'm joined by Gillian Ford. Welcome to the podcast, Gillian. Simon, I am so happy to be here. Hello, everyone. And Simon, this is really surreal because seven years ago, I was someone who was in the audience and listening to your podcast. And so the fact that like I'm here talking to you right now and oh, seven years, I wasn't even working at AWS. So the fact that- There's a story. <laughs> I know. So the, <laughs> Okay. So literally seven years ago, I was in a job in online marketing. So literally I was buying ads on the internet, trying to get attention from people like on spreadsheets. Like I couldn't tell you what an S3 bucket was or this whole AWS cloud thing was, but I knew I was in a job where I was just like, oh my God, get me out of here. This is not what I want to be doing with the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, And I just knew like, there's got to be something out there. But the blessing in that job is I worked really closely with the product team. So I got to be able to have to read through API documentation, understand the impact of having a responsive website was to the bottom line of a business. So that's where I was like, okay, this technology thing, I don't really know what it is, but I've got to be in it somehow. And so I quit my job. I went to a coding boot camp and I learned to code. Um, turned out I was not a very good software engineer, um, but I just learned all of those foundations and that really helped me learn more about AWS. And that's really how I ended up in my way as a solutions architect. But during that whole journey, Simon, I was listening to your podcast and I'm listening to that same intro of how you just did it now, which is just like so cool that you just did it. And it was like <laughs> entering me. It's like weird because the circle I of was life. listening it's to the you. Circle the circle of, of life. life. <laughs> listening so, to you. So, so we'll, talk, we'll talk a bit about that journey because I, I think it's it's really interesting. But but firstly, your, your day job here at AWS is you're a senior solution architect for startups. So you get to do lots of cool stuff, lots of cool stuff, I should say, with lots of cool startups. Yeah, it is so fascinating. This time in history, I think, is the best time to be at a startup, work at a startup, or just really working with startups. And what I'm seeing, there's so much activity in all different industries, whether it's Web3, AI, uh, life sciences. It is a really fascinating time, Simon. That's really cool. And and one of the the policies we have on the podcast, as you know and our listeners know, is that uh, to be a co-host, you've got to be a techo. And preferably a solution architect. And so you've been you've been in Amazon for over five years now. So you, you've got your gold badge. So you've seen some stuff That's right. now, coming from from <laughs> from that background. So then let's start with some of the important questions. Jillian, what is your preferred IDE? Oh, oh my God. Okay, so I that is a, a I haven't. Um, you know what? I've been doing a lot on, on Jupyter Notebooks lately. Interesting. Um, yeah. Programming yeah. and SageMaker. Um, so I, I've, you know, the more I spend time, especially in SageMaker Studio as a as an IDE, I really start to appreciate 
even more the amount of work that they've done to just make it such a much faster experience for developers. Um, it's a very different Jupyter mindset, though, great. as well. The, the whole Ju- the whole Jupyter Notebook experience and the Canvas experience. It's just it, you got to kind of change your mental model, don't you? I think so. Yeah. Um, but once you start to really understand the different features that I think the team thought to make it much faster to do certain things, like yes, like people who are maybe machine learning engineers, they know how to be able to do certain feature engineering. Um, or, but the fact that a lot of those steps are already written out for you and you can create repeatable processes and you don't have to write the code, it's just one less thing to kind of think about. And I mm-hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> the less code you have to write, I guess maybe that's well, I, I guess uh, you're, you're trying cheating, to Simon. Get, <laughs> you're trying to get to the answer fast is really what it's what it's about. And uh, yeah. I often joke that la- lazy developers are good developers, and I don't mean lazy in the pejorative <laughs> sense, but how can I do the least amount of effort to get the right outcome is really what you're asking. Okay, so now you're making me feel better about my answer. <laughs> I, I so, think the lazier approach. The lazy option. <laughs> So then the the big question is, of course, tabs or spaces? Oh, my God. Definitely tabs. Okay. I don't, I don't think we can speak to each other anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we have a poll of, like, what the listeners Look, like? I, I, we haven't done that, but that's probably something we should, we should get to at some point. Um, yeah. Just to see wherever, where everyone lands. I think statistically it'll be 50% tends to be. I, it's, it is the divisive issue of our time. I, I think we're going to need to do a data-driven approach to get this answer. <laughs> I think so. So then let's let's get into some more meaty subject matter here. What's the, what would you say is the most interesting tech thing that you've worked on so far? Like, what's the thing that really st- sticks in your mind as that was pretty cool to be a part of? <sighs> okay, so there is a startup that I worked with where they were the actual infrastructure, and this this is fantastic because this case study you can actually read about on the CloudFront, uh, the CloudFront blog. They have a, this case study that's published. Mm-hmm. So this startup, they provide the actual infrastructure for other musicians to do live stream concerts. So it's New Year's Eve and COVID's happening. And of course, people want to be able to watch Justin Bieber or the other one. Um, oh my God, what's the K-pop sensation, Simon, if you're a K-pop fan? Uh, it would have to be Blackpink. Be- be- who, which one? Blackpink is one. Or, or, or is it oh, the other one, the, um, the, the boy yes. band? BTS, yes. that's it. Blackpink. I'm going to look that up. See, afterwards. I only know about this because I have children. That's the only reason I know that I listen to none of this music. I want to declare that uh, I only know about this through association. It's okay if you do. It's 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 fine. I'm sure we've got a bunch of other fans. I I mean I do enjoy BTS. They're definitely pretty catchy. So BTS was one of the concerts. In fact, that this company um, they were doing their building the actual live streaming infrastructure for so not just being able to allow the people from all over the world to be able to watch the concert but also to be able to express their emotions in real time be able to talk to other people in the concert and so being part of that process to help them to be able to get this and it actually broke the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest number of people in like a virtual concert at one time wow. so it was really cool. cool to see yeah, that's cool. I, I love those types of things where it's at a really different scale. 
Like, and, and you run into a whole bunch of different technology problems when you hit scale like that that you just wouldn't normally think of. It's so true. And even five and a half years later, ends up through the people who are listening, whether maybe you're just getting started on AWS or you're someone that's been using it for a while, you can definitely appreciate that there's always going to be stuff that you're going to run into that you're not familiar with. And you're always going to be learning. And so that was definitely an experience for me with that type of scale. I had no idea. I had learned a lot from other experts and learned a lot from reading. Um, so it is it is really fun. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an adventure every day. And uh, what, what would you say is, I'll give you two options here for this question. I want to know either your favorite or and or your most used AWS service. I, Simon, I didn't think we were supposed to pick favorites. <laughs> well, e- everyone's equal, but some are more equal than others. Now, what's the, what's the thing? Poll. What's the thing you? What's the thing you reach for? And you, I'll, I'll even let you have a top three. How about that? You can have a top right. three. Give you a bit more okay, wiggle room there. All right, that's that's a really good one. Um, I think this is another thing that we need a poll for. So, all right, I'm going to say one of them is actually guard duty. And because I love how just simple and easy it is to implement. Anything that's simple and effective is like a win for me. And that's always the way that I like to be able to help startups is really what is like the simplest thing that you can be able to do now that can get you the result that you want. So for me, like (laughs) guard duty, literally just set it and forget it is why I'm a huge fan. Um, Second... I would definitely say SageMaker, the more time I spend in it and really start to understand all the features that are available for building machine learning models on the feature engineering side, it's just really fascinating how much you can be able to do, especially if you're someone that's new to machine learning and you maybe you want this year to be the year that you actually start getting into it. It's definitely a tool that you want to be able to check out. And I like for that reason of it just really making a lot faster. Uh, and then number three, ooh, this is... So it actually gets harder thinking, once you get to the third one because now there's probably like five or six does. different things you, you may want. It is, yeah. Um, I do like, okay, I would say step functions, pretty si- similar to Good Lambda, choice. yeah. Um, and I, I mean... I think step functions is definitely something, especially for serverless. I mean, people got to look into it. It's, I love like it's the simplicity of it, and but it's so powerful. And I'm I'm a sucker for anything visual. So so when you said IDE, like definitely, uh, I want like the I'm a sucker for the visual IDE. Not I, I don't do like Vim. <laughs> well, then again, we can't speak. But um, oh, we can't uh, speak. we're off to a really bad start. Bad, bad start. Bad start. <laughs> Mr. Command Line here, um, but but I think you, you, it's a great call with uh, with step functions because you know when it launched it wasn't very vis- it wasn't a visual tool at all it was was very much not that, and it's become super visual, and and easy to operate that way and I think that's opened it up to a host of new folks who prefer to operate that way and it it, it does lend itself to that because like hey show me my entire workflow all the error handling all the retry logic all the handoffs it's pretty magical like you say but it's it's kind of just this glue that just does stuff. Yeah. And then whenever I have conversations with customers about it and then they start to see it in the console, I think there's something that just like clicks. They're like, oh, now I can see what I can do with it. 
Good choices. Good choices. Now, what do you like to do outside of technology? I love being able to compete in sports. I've always been someone that's been very active. Like, so I grew up playing soccer. And then uh, once I graduated college and I finished my soccer career, I was like, all right, I need something to compete in with myself, of course. So I've started to, I, there's this brand new sport from the Spartan company that does like those obstacle course races, but they have it as other sport that's more for competitive fitness people. So people who don't really want to get in the mud, but just like being able to have competitive fitness, competitive exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. called DECA, D-E-K-A. So I've started to do that. Um, and it's kind of thinking of it so like- is that like running an obstacle courses or stuff or is it different? It's- it's like CrossFit, but without the gymnastics and without the Olympic weightlifting. So if okay. you're someone that likes fitness, uh, exercising, but in a climate-controlled, indoor atmosphere, no mud, uh, it's definitely something that's really fun and very accessible, whether you're nice. just starting to work out or someone that's competitive like me that really likes working out. And I guess totally different to sitting and cutting code all day. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you, I think I personally need something that's more active and it's that, that balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your hopes as, as, as one of the new hosts, you'll be carrying the load and, and sharing some of the, the episode recording, some of the launch episodes, et cetera. And you'd be doing stuff on, on AWS on air as well. So you're, you're familiar with, uh, with, I guess the, the multimedia format, but what are some of your goals having been a listener on the hosting side? I feel like a lot of it really is giving back. I mean, it, being here with you right now is just such an honor and it's still really surreal to me. And so I feel like <laughs> I, I, I still feel like the voice of that person who maybe wants to get into tech, maybe they're looking for a job, they want to change their life in by you, by technology and being able to help ask questions that maybe they're thinking about, that the new person's thinking about. That's, I find joy in that. Nice, nice. Take care for that different angle. That's it's tremendous. So, Jillian, uh, welcome welcome to the podcast. Joining myself, joining Horn. So you'll have a, a variety of voices in your ears depending on the topic and sometimes all three of us will be together, sometimes it'll be a couple of us. You just never know, I guess. That's what makes it exciting. And Simon, I mean, it, you... I'm excited to learn more from you and from Han. Um, I've just been s so grateful that all these years I've gotten to learn so much from you for the from the podcast, and I'm excited that now I get to continue to learn more from you as a host and as someone that's so experienced at AWS. Uh, thank you. We all we're all learning together. That's for sure. So welcome aboard, Jillian. And it's just for everyone's reference, it's Ford with an E. You can't forget the E at the end, can you? You are good. Yeah, a lot of people don't uh, get that it's a silent E. Thank you. Well, it's, it's important. Precision is important. Jillian, welcome aboard. <laughs> Simon, thank you so much. And I'm so excited to get to know all of you people and really be able to support you, who, people who are listening to this podcast. It's such an honor to be here. Awesome. Jillian is such a great addition to the team. We're excited to have her on board. Now let's move on to our February update show. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesh here with you. Great to have you back. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Horn Nguyen Logren. G'day, Horn. How are you doing? Living the life, and it's a good one. How are you? <laughs> I am good. We have lots of very cool updates to share today, and we'll be continuing our new format, which is we'll give uh, some deeper dive on particular topics within the topics, uh, and then just the headlines of the rest with, of course, links in the show notes if something tickles your fancy, you can dive into it. So let's start with the topic of analytics. And Amazon Athena has released a data source connector for Google Cloud Storage. So with the data source connectors, you can run SQL queries on data stored in relational, non-relational object and custom data sources without the need to move data to S3 or loon a new query dialect, as you all know. I love SQL, <laughs> and you can run SQL on these data sets. Now, Google Cloud Storage is a managed service designed to store data in buckets. It's somewhat similar to Amazon S3, and you can now use Athena's connector for Google Cloud Storage to query data in Parquet and CSV formats. So this makes it easy for you to use data stored in that location as part of maybe some interactive analysis or visualization. And to get started, you just use the Athena console to create a secure connection to Google Cloud Storage, you register your data with the AWS Glue data catalog and away you go. And some other headlines in this topic, AWS Glue Studio Visual ETL now supports five new transforms. Amazon QuickSight has launched a radar chart and has also launched data bars for tables. There are also increased field limits and performance improvements for the pivot table within Amazon QuickSight. And Amazon OpenSearch service has simplified remote re-index for VPC domains. And the Amazon Open Search serverless is now generally available. Now onto the topic of application integration. Amazon AppFlow announces four new data connectors. This includes Braintree, Microsoft Dynamics 365, Oracle HCM, and Zoho CRM. Amazon AppFlow is continually expanding its catalog of connectors to popular SaaS application and these four new data connectors make it easy for customers to access their data for use cases across marketing, e-commerce, customer support, and more. Amazon AppFlow is a fully managed integration service that enables you to secure transfer between software as a service applications like Salesforce, SAP, Google, etc. It's a super cool low-code, no-code option for sure. In addition, Amazon AppFlow announces 10 new connectors as well. These new connectors enable you to transfer your data from Asana, Delighted, Google Calendar, Intercom, JDBC, PayPal, Pindo, Smartsheet, Snapchat Ads, and WooCommerce. These new connectors make it easier for customers to access their data for use cases such as data lake hydration, analytics, and machine learning, and data retention. Now onto the topic of business application. Amazon Chime SDK now offers a Windows client library to connect things to like WebRTC media sessions. Onto the topic of compute, we're happy to announce the porting advisor for Graviton. And this is generally available. The porting advisor for Graviton is an open source command line tool that analyzes source code and generates a report highlighting missing and outdated libraries and code constructs that may require modification along with recommendations for alternatives. Now, it accelerates your transition to AWS Graviton-based instances by reducing the iterative process of identifying and resolving source code and library dependencies. 
Now it's freely available on the Adibus GitHub repository to be built from source. Uh, the tool scans code, but it does not scan binary files. It also does not make any code modifications or API level recommendations and it does not send any data back to AWS. The tool supports C, C++, Fortran, Go 1.11+, plus, Java 8+, plus, and Python 3+, plus, and it can run on x86-based and ARM64-based machines. It is very cool. Recommend you look at that. AWS also announced credential guard support for Windows instances on Amazon EC2. Now, this is support for a Windows virtualization-based feature. Uh, security feature, I should say. Credential Guard uses VBS isolation to prevent the extraction of Windows logon credentials from OS memory. When Credential Guard is turned on, logon credentials cannot be used from another host or after a user has logged out. With the availability of this capability, enterprises running Windows Server, especially those that operate in regulated industries, no longer have to choose between meeting compliance requirements or being able to move to the cloud to innovate faster. They can get both on EC2. When Windows is run on EC2, Credential Guard uses the Nitro system, which was spoken about on the podcast before, to protect Windows login credentials by enabling the creation of isolated environments to protect security assets. And this is available in all AWS regions, including the AWS GovCloud US regions. We're also pleased to announce the runtime management controls for AWS Lambda. Now, the operational simplicity of automatic runtime updates is one of the features that customers love best about Lambda. I'm certainly a big fan. This release provides customers running critical production workloads with more visibility and control over when runtime updates are applied to their functions. For each runtime, Lambda provides a managed execution environment, which includes the underlying Amazon Linux OS, programming language runtime, and AWS SDKs. Now, Lambda takes care of applying patches and security updates to all those components. These runtime updates allow customers to delegate responsibility for patching from the customer to Lambda. With this release, the updates made to the managed runtimes provided by Lambda are now visible to customers as distinct runtime versions. Customers also have more control over when Lambda updates their functions to a new runtime version, either automatically or synchronized with customer-driven function updates. In the very rare event of an unexpected runtime incompatibility with an existing function, you can also roll back to an earlier runtime version. Some other headlines in this topic, Amazon EC2 Mac instances now support replacing root volumes for quick instance restoration. AWS SAM CLI introduces SAM list command to inspect AWS SAM resources. AWS Outpost's Rack Local Gateway now supports a VPC prefix lists to simplify your routing policy management. AWS Pricing Calculator now supports optimized pricing estimation for EC2 dedicated hosts. We're pleased to announce the general availability of AWS local zones in Lagos, Lima, and Quetaro. And Bottle Rocket now supports network bonding and VLAN tagging. And for a quick update for customer engagement, Amazon Connect launches AWS CloudFormation support for instant management APIs. And on to the topic of databases. Amazon Elasticash for Redis announces 99.99% availability service level agreement. And this has been using a multi-AZ or availability zones. Previously, Elasticash for Redis offered a SLA of 99.9 for multi-AZ configuration. With this launch, Elasticash for Redis has updated its multi-AZ SLA to provide 10 times higher levels of availability. 
Amazon Memory DB for Redis also announces 99.99 availability service level agreement. And this is with also a multi-AZ configuration. With this launch, Memory DB also provides an SLA of 10x higher of availability. And if you're not familiar with Memory DB, it is a durable in-memory database service that delivers ultra-fast performance. It's purpose-built for a modern application with microservices architecture. Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports additional Cypher suites for OEM, Agent, and SSL options. Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL now supports new minor versions 14.6, 13.9, 12.13, 11.18, and 10.23. Amazon RDS now supports increasing storage size when creating read replicas and restoring databases from snapshots. Amazon RDS Blue-green deployment now supports Aurora MySQL 3 with MySQL 8.0 compatibility as a source cluster. Amazon RDS Multi-AZ with two readable standbys for RDS PostgreSQL now supports inbound replication. Amazon Aurora supports PostgreSQL 14.6, 13.9, 12 13.13, 11.18. Onto the topic of developer tools. Quick update here. Adibus App Runner now supports HTTP 1.0 protocol in addition to the 1.1 protocol that it already supported. Onto the topic of the Internet of Things, Adibus IT Core's rules engine now supports batching of device logs while routing logs from IT devices to Amazon CloudWatch logs. And onto the topic of machine learning, SageMaker announces a preview of the MLP4DE instances for model deployments. Now, these are for inference on Amazon SageMaker. Now, these instances, in particular the MLP4DE24X large instances, have 80 gig of memory per GPU for 640 gig in total. It's a lot of gig, along with support for up to eight terabytes of local NVMe SSD storage. So this enables high-performance machine learning inference of compute-intensive workloads on SageMaker, things like large language models and generative AI models. These instances have 96 vCPUs, 1,152 gigabytes of instance memory and 400 gig of network bandwidth. You can currently use these in US East North Virginia and US West Oregon. Some other headlines here, use your own training image in a private Docker registry with Amazon SageMaker. SageMaker automatic model tuning now adds three new completion criteria for tuning jobs. Amazon SageMaker automatic model tuning now allows you to specify environment variables for your tuning jobs. Amazon Polly has launched two new US English NTTS voices, and Amazon Polly has also launched five new male NTTS voices as well. Amazon Kendra has expanded data format support. Amazon Personalize simplifies onboarding with data insights. And Adibeth Panorama has simplified ordering of Panorama appliances. Now onto the topic of management and governance. AWS App Config expands encryption capabilities, integrating with AWS Secrets Manager and AWS KMS. Today, AWS App Config announces integration with AWS Secrets Manager and AWS Key Management Service, KMS, providing customers with additional configuration sources and encryption capabilities. In addition to its own AWS App Config hosted configuration store, AWS App Config already integrates with Amazon Simple Storage S3, AWS Pi uh, Code Pipeline, AWS System Manager Parameter Store, and AWS System Manager Document as data sources. Now customers can use Secret Manager as a single source 
to safely and securely deploy sensitive data. All sensitive data retrieved from Secrets Manager via AWS App Config can be encrypted at deployment time using an AWS KMS Customer Managed Key. CMK. And if you're not familiar with AWS App Config, not to be confused by AWS Config, AWS App Config is a capability of AWS System Manager to create, manage, and quickly deploy application configuration. You know, folks have used this for things like you know, uh, system data, for database passwords, and also uh, a comprehensive way to help you retrieve configuration data for your application needs. Announcing comprehensive controls management with AWS Control Tower. So we're very excited to launch the comprehensive controls management for AWS Control Tower, which is a set of new features that will enhance AWS Control Tower's governance capabilities. You can now programmatically implement controls at scale across your multi-account AWS environments within minutes, so you can more quickly vet, allow list, and begin using AWS services. With comprehensive controls management in AWS Control Tower, you can reduce the time it takes to define, map, and manage the controls required to meet your most common control objectives, such as enforcing least privilege, restricting network access, and enforcing data encryption. As customers begin to use AWS services, many take an allow list approach, only allowing use of AWS services that have been vetted and approved to balance their security and compliance requirements with the need to be agile. This restricts developer access to AWS services until risks are defined and controls are implemented. AWS Control Tower's new proactive control capabilities leverages AWS CloudFormation hooks to proactively identify and block non-compliant resources before they're provisioned by CloudFormation. AWS Control Tower's new proactive controls complement AWS Control Tower's existing control capabilities, enabling you to disallow actions that lead to policy violations and detect non-compliance of resources at scale. It also provides updated configuration and technical documentation so you can more quickly benefit from AWS services and features. AWS Control Tower provides you a consolidated view of compliance status across your multi-account environment. AWS System Manager announces integration of automation with Change Calendar. Customers can now reduce the risk associated with changes to their production environment by allowing automation runbooks to run during an allowed time window. With this feature, users in your account can only run automation during the time period allowed by your Change Calendar. For example, you can avoid the risk of application downtime due to system update during high traffic time period by blocking the time period in the change calendar and enforcing automation to check change calendar before updating your Amazon EC2 instance types. AWS announces access of simple monthly calculator estimates in the AWS pricing calculator. So you can now convert previously saved SMC estimates in the AWS pricing calculator. Once converted, a new AWS pricing calculator estimate URL will be provided to you. Please note that SMC estimates that include legacy AWS services and certain pricing features will not be converted. You can check out more in the user guide. AWS is planning to retire the SMC on Friday, March 31st, 2023 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time, and you won't be able to use it after that date. So to help you with this transition, the conversion feature you can use until Sunday, April 30th, which is also my birthday. Um, and if you have any existing estimates, we recommend you migrate them to the pricing calculator using the conversion feature as soon as possible. Now, if you don't need those previous estimates, you don't have to do anything. Some other quick headlines. AWS CloudFormation stack sets give quick access to list of regions for stack instances of a stack set. Amazon CloudWatch now simplifies metric extraction from structured logs. 
Adibus Cloud Trail Lake now supports ingestion of activity events from non-Adibus sources. And Adibus Managed Services, AMS customers, can now change response for config rules. On to the topic of media services. Adibus Elemental Media Live adds Dolby E audio decoding. So this allows you to decode audio from sources with Dolby E compressed tracks. Now Dolby E supports delivery of eight discrete audio source channels in a PCM stereo pair. With this feature, you can deliver content with different language tracks and or high channel count spatial audio from a single high quality source. This is useful for international syndication of sports and events where commentary and immersive audio are present. And some quick updates in this topic. AWS Elemental Media Tailor now supports timeline logs for channel assembly. And AWS Elemental Media Live adds timecode burn-in. And on to the topic of networking and content delivery. Amazon increases NAT Gateway's capacity to support concurrent connections to a unique destination. Starting today, you can configure your NAT Gateway to support up to 440,000 concurrent connections to unique destination by adding multiple IP addresses to the same NAT gateway. This is just mind-blowing to me. A NAT gateway enables instances in a private subnet to connect to services outside the subnet using the IP address associated to the NAT gateway. Prior to this launch, you could associate one IP address to your NAT gateway, which supports 55,000 concurrent connections to a unique destination. A unique destination is identified by a unique combination of destination IP, the destination port, and the protocol TCP UDP ICMP. This feature allows you to associate up to a total of eight IP addresses to further increase this limit by, again, eight times of 440,000 concurrent connections to a single destination, which is mind-blowing again to me. AWS announces Amazon provided contiguous IPv6 cider blocks. This is with Amazon VPC IP address I. IPAM. With IPAM, the customers can create IPv6 publicly scoped pools and provision with bring your own IP addresses, B-O-Y-I-P CIDR blocks. Now customers can provision Amazon provided IPv6 CIDR blocks from slash 52 up to slash 40 in size into separate pools for association to virtual private clouds VPC. Contiguous CIDR blocks can be used for sequential VPC creation. Cedar cedars can then be aggregated in a single entry across networking and security constructs like access control lists, route tables, security groups, and firewalls. Amazon Omnix supports private link and cloud formations. Now, Omnilix is a fully managed service that helps healthcare and life science organizations generate insights from data to improve health and advance scientific discoveries, if you're not familiar. Amazon VPC IP Address Manager IPAM now manages IP addresses in your network outside your AWS organization. Onto the topic of security, identity, and compliance. AWS Artifact On Demand access to third-party compliance reports is now generally available. Now, this is really useful if you need to get the security compliance reports of ISVs who sell their products through AWS Marketplace. AWS customers interested in buying third-party software products from AWS Marketplace can download and review the security compliance reports shared by the ISV via AWS Artifact on demand to accelerate their procurement cycle. ISV compliance reports will only be accessible to those AWS customers who have been granted access to AWS Marketplace Vendor Insights for a specific ISV. Amazon Detective adds Amazon VPC flow log visualizations for Amazon EKS workloads as well. 
And on to the last topic, storage. AWS Snow Family now supports software updates on AWS Snow Cone. Today, AWS Snow Family announces a new feature that allows easy updates for system software of your AWS Snow Cone devices. Now you can request and download Snow System software updates from AWS. It is now possible to install software updates on your AWS Snow Cone devices using the AWS Snowball Edge client and without returning the device to AWS. You can keep your AWS Snow Cone system software up to date, which helps ensure your device are secure, reliable, and ready to handle your edge compute needs. To complete offline updates, download the software update from the client machine with connections to the internet using the AWS command line CLI. For AWS Snow Cone devices connected to the internet, you can use Snowball at CLI clients to directly update Snow System software on device. After Snow System software is installed, reboot the device to run the latest software on AWS Snow Cone. AWS Snow Family now supports Ubuntu 20 and 22 operating systems. AWS Snow Family now supports Instant Metadata Service version 2 for Amazon EC2 instance on Snow. And finally on this topic, AWS Fault Injection Simulator announces pause IO action for Amazon Elastic Block Store volumes. Wow, lots of cool and interesting updates there. And uh, we are interested to hear some feedback about this new format. Is it uh, too short, the right amount, too long? Did you prefer the old approach? We kind of like it, but uh, it's not about us. It's about you. Oh, and it's, uh, it's interesting doing it this way. It's a little different. We're still playing with it because we may deep dive a little more, but uh, I think it's, it flows a little better. How are you finding it? I find it much more consumable and uh, deeping dive on really cool topics. Well, uh, we'll get some feedback. How do people reach out to you? You can reach out to me on my Twitter handle at Hansolo underscore one. That's H-A-W-N-S-O-L-O underscore one. And of course, we do love to get your feedback old school style as well. Podcast at Amazon.com is the place you can do it. And until next time, keep on building.